back in business. I actually made a mistake last episode. Aaron. What? I made a huge blunder. You don't done make so mistakes. many damn episodes that I said episode 96. It was really episode 95. So this is episode 96. Seven. I'm, no, this is 96. <laughs> Seven. Don't screw me up. 96. 95. I'm saying this because somebody congratulated said, whoa, 96. That's crazy. Our good friend Lloyd Evans. But this is 96. So Lloyd messaged me again. Um, yeah, he has to. Well, so for people whose first episode this might be, my name is Seth Mason, wildlife photographer, co-host of this podcast you've discovered. For the rest of you who have been listening along for a while, you know who I am and who who are you? Who am I, I talking with? Who is anyone? Yeah. <sighs> who are we? We don't, uh, go, we don't I am that deep on this show. Not yet. Stick to the basics. We will. The fundamentals. Episode 97, we get that deep. We answer, <laughs> who am I? Uh, I am Aaron Manis, uh, known as Mantis underscore photography on the Instagrams. Um, yeah, a co-host. Glad to be here as always. And episode 96. Six. 96. Six. Yeah, 96. Let's, let's get into it. And but first, Aaron, big thank you to, we had a few people donate. Remember we say whatever, whatever value they feel they receive from the show. We had a couple donations, yeah. so I want, I've privately recognized those people, but I wanted to publicly recognize you as well. So thank you. A little bit of also, extra boost. We're always motivated coming into these to make these for you guys on every week. Um, but that was really appreciated and was uh, honestly made my day. So thank you to those people and thank you to everybody else. Just simply listening is, is very kind of you. Um, but if you, you feel you want to work out your thumb a little bit, you can leave a rating or review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. That's always appreciated. Helps more people find the show, get into the photographer mindset like you are. And yeah. Yeah. And a special thanks to Ian for... Uh, Ian Jones donated negative $20. Ian Jones gave us negative $20. So like we said in the show... Leave the PayPal. We had to pay him. And he, he found how to crack the donation thing. He, he hacked into it. He's like... Beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep. And so funny that out, he negative put that 20. So funny he put that to his Instagram story, clearly photoshopped because, you know, Ian has all the time in the world, apparently, um, <laughs> you know, shooting hot dogs, flying through the air with ketchup on, on his Instagram feed. No, um, he had people message him saying, how did you do that? <laughs> what, are you we guys trying to rob that. us? Yeah. Come yeah, on. How'd you do Come that? on. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> Aaron's got some new sounds queued up on yes. his soundboard. He'll r- gradually roll them out. He probably has some more reserve than I do. I just yeah. I just pound they're, them all out. They're specific. Um, they're all uh, for Ian. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. What else do we got before we get into today's episode? Or do we need do we, we do we miss anything or should we just describe what what's going on? Yeah, no, uh, I, I would love to do a February wrap-up. It's it's getting to the end of February, and uh, I think we're going to do a little, well, I can't talk tonight, a little new segment. Uh, you can cut that out, Seth, that mess up. Nope, we're going to do a little... <laughs> We're going to do a little new segment called The Best of the Month, Fabulous February, uh, where we go over one of our favorite photos or our favorite photo from when we posted this month and kind of talk about the story behind it. This is partly a photography show, and uh, I think it's good to get back to our roots and talk photography every once in a while. So we're going to start with a little segment, and I'm going to go first to a Nice and quick and dirty, but I didn't know it could be about other people's photography. Here I am planned with my own shot. I'm going to look like a grade A asshole. 
No, no, it's not about <laughs> other people. It's about our own. Me, 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 me. No, I have one plan from or a little story about my shot, but I'm pick. Make sure yeah. I pick somebody else's next time. Favorite of the month. But I oh, like no, this segment. Not- Once a month, quick and dirty. It's not about other people. Not talking. We're not talking about other people. We're talking about ourselves because we can give the story about the photo that we took. So it has oh. to be about ourselves. Oh, right? I, thought I, heard, I thought I heard you say best of the month, like your favorite of the month for other people. Yeah, of, of ours, our favorite oh. shot. Okay. I don't know what someone else is the favorite. I could pick a favorite I've you seen. You can make up a month. story. You can make <laughs> up a story. So when Dave Sanford was taking this photo of a polar bear... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he, he had to go to the bathroom, bathroom so badly he almost missed the shot. But he, he ran in a Yeti <laughs> cup. He peed in a Yeti cup while out in the farm fields of Ontario. Yeah. Um, no, we can make up stories, but we're okay. not going to. So tell us the real story about your, you know, your okay. favorite adventure shot. I don't know. Whatever you think. Yeah. And well, then, the one yeah. I the one I was gonna do is January thirty first, so mm. it's automatically disqualified. Oh, so I'm, January too. So whatever. Uh, already lying get into it all right uh i stopped i i stopped you guys know this and saw the short-eared owls uh i came back the next week or maybe two weeks later with brit bossy uh we made a trip out there and as we got into the area of the field we noticed that there was an ice storm from about two nights before and all the fields we got to elevation enough where all the fields were just coated with this glass, these pieces of ice over every weed, every branch, everything. Everything was glowing, incredible. And we were getting giddy with like, oh, my, I, I, well, first, I hope this doesn't affect the shorty owls, the owls' like behavior. I don't know if they're going to be able to hunt or do what they normally do at this field. And we drove two hours. Hopefully, they're there because this will be epic. So, uh, my post on February 9th with the owl kind of hovering and looking down over all this glowing ice. And the crystals are glowing red, yellow, orange, purples, blues from all the iridescence from the sun coming through the crystals. And it's all out of focus. The the bokeh, bokeh, bokeh. How do we say that? How do we say I that? I don't know. Bokeh, bokeh. bokeh. Everyone's got DM me now. DM me now. Uh, and I'm just looking at your just, photo right now, and I'm I pinpointed on Nooch 10's comment that says, "Why don't you stop copying Brit Bossy? A little originality goes a long way." <laughs> he likes to troll me every no time. Pulled. No punches yeah. pulled. Today's today's comment on the snowy owl was, "Oh, really beautiful animal that's half sleeping, <laughs> like something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, it must be tough to find a half sleeping animal." Like, yeah, well, we're not going to get into Nooch 10's uh, <laughs> opinions on snowy owls because they're no. just so out of line. Anyways, continue. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my story. Uh, the like a magical environment. I was looking through some of the photos today again to edit a few more, and I was like, oh, I just like wow. It's fun when you like the environment as much as the subject in a photo. I think for mm-hmm. me that that's mm-hmm. like a wow. I, I nailed both of these, um, which is kind of rare, I think in wildlife yep. photography, cause you can't ask them to stand in certain places. Um, but, uh, in try. this case, oh, yeah, you can try all the, uh, the glass look was just something, you know, as you, as you drive away from one of those, you go, I don't know if I'm ever going to have this kind of moment again. You know, and those are those are kind of special with uh, yeah, with that's wildlife. A good. You know what? That's an interesting. Mm-hmm. 
That's an interesting point. I always have, I feel, I have that feeling frequently when you leave an awesome scene or scenario that involves wildlife or landscape or whatever. And you're like, man, I don't know if this is, there's ever going to be anything that tops this, even though it's like so silly because you know, there's always going to be something just as intriguing or interesting. Yeah. You know, but it won't be the, it won't be the same. And you no, get like different, different lights and different yeah. positions with animals. And you're like, yeah, that, yeah. that's not going to happen again. You know, I, I have a, I have a handful of those where you're like, this is, I, I would not be surprised if this never happens again. So right. yeah, those, those are, those are nice. Those are nice. Right. So how about you, bud? What, what, uh, which one are you looking at? January 19th, I posted a moose cow drinking water. Remember this one? Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. So I was actually, oh, yeah, on that's a, nice. uh, this is a shot from the summer, but it blends in a winter grid mode. Like mm-hmm. I, I like that aesthetic, the grid mode. I'm not just going to post stuff from summer if it's winter here. Like I like to be seasonal, but in this case you can't tell. So, I mean, what does it matter? Um, right. I was on the Moline Lake cruise on, in Jasper going to Spirit Island, which we talk about in this episode, yeah. funny enough. And I was filming things, uh, content for Tourism Jasper and we get back and I can see as the boat is docking, a s- very small crowd of people and clear, clear as day, you can see this big moose in the water. So I get off the boat. I'm with Haley. And I just said, I'm going. Like she went to the car to drive around and meet me. And mm-hmm. I ran along the boardwalk with my 600 millimeter <laughs> attached, figuring out settings as I'm running. Right? Because these moments are so fleeting. Yeah. Get there. And she's just cool as a cucumber drinking she keeps dunking her head underwater but her ears are staying above and i'm like huh that's that's kind of interesting Interesting, maybe maybe moose just do that i've never actually up until this point had never seen a moose drink right so Mm -hmm. and then i realized holy shit her calf is 30 feet away from her in the in the in the bushes in the forest so she's drinking you know it's maybe 10 15 people around with her ears above water so that she can get a drink and still hear what's going on with her baby, which is pretty cool. Um, and the best part about the scene was that everyone there was so awesome. Like when she moved, people moved again, like with her. Mm-hmm. There was a very nice and clear like bubble of space. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't stressed. You know, that's always the thing, right? When animals are eating, drinking, they're not stressed. Yeah. Like they're cool with you. You know, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Like especially when I'm shooting loons in the summer, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, it's at the point where the the loon parent will go down and leave the baby on the surface. So I know I'm cool, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, but he's cool. It was an awesome experience, and the shots were awesome because she's just dripping with like water, and it's you can the shutter speed's fast enough. It's almost like an, a water beard. Yeah, you can see all the yeah, and all the texture on her fur. So yep. it was a really cool shot. It was tough though because it was middle of the day. So lots yeah. of lots of editing. This is harsh light, but it worked out. So that's yeah, my it shot. That's my I shot. like the contrast in harsh light sometimes. Sometimes it lends sometimes itself it works as long out. as things aren't blown out. But yeah. Um, sometimes it works he, out. You know what? I like this segment. I found it very interesting. Cool. It's kind of what Josh uh, Bayou said, our buddy Josh, uh, that was just talking about like the picture wasn't telling the whole story enough. Yeah. I like hearing the behind the scenes. That was, yeah. that was cool. And I mean, if people are into it, they can stick around as we do these in the future if we say we're about to do what is it some 
photo of the month or something or a story behind the photo, they can just skip ahead to the episode. So it's neat. And if you do, we do get feedback from our inner web <laughs> servers and we'll know that you fast forward and then we'll, we'll DM you. We'll, we'll have a talk. So, but who do we have today? We're recording this after we're recording our intro after the fact. Um, yeah, we're, we we're good, like time warping. We had a good chat with man by the sea today, didn't we? Yes. Uh, John, as he is known, but he's also known as man by the sea. He lives in Maine. He lives a very, uh, interesting life. Uh, he, he's, he's doing things to the extreme. He's a doer. I think Seth said like you, you go and do things and, and you know, not too worried about who's watching or what's going on, but, uh, surfing yeah. in February in Maine, uh, running marathons, not just running marathons, that's hard enough, but running marathons barefoot. Uh, yeah. He's big into barefoot barefoot walking, hiking, connecting to the earth, slowing down. Uh, and he has translated it to running as well and, and doing these things that runs are cool. Runs an Airbnb. Yeah, runs an Airbnb. Like a lot of things going on. I think I like the fact that he's just more than a photographer and that's the, the real draw to, to John is that I think I mentioned in this episode, he's just... Uh, very much a doer yeah. when no one's watching. Like it doesn't matter if anyone's watching, which is how it he seems. Be. He seems to have a zest for life. You know, he seems. Anytime I've talked to him, super like energetic and and happy and excited. Doesn't seem like one that's going to be posting. You know, just chilling and watching Netflix. And I'm not sure if that happens or doesn't happen, but that's just the vibe I get. Like he's he's going and doing and. Not that there's anything wrong with chilling and watching Netflix. I uh, I just was later uh, or earlier this evening. So, you know, sometimes right you on. gotta. But uh, he's doing and doing. Towards the it. end of the episode, what we started to talk about, which I thought was the most fascinating, was his mindset shift from such an exciting moment to, uh-oh. like This could be uh, bad this got out of hand. Like I lost control a little bit of the situation potentially. And did I, did I add to that loss of control? Mm -hmm. Um, there's a stellar Eagle that lost its way from, uh, Eastern Russia, Eastern Asia, uh, and is like 5,000 miles off track and showed up in, I think, mass early on and then made its way up the coast to Maine, right in the town where uh, John is from. And at first, his excitement for trying to find this bird and finding the bird turned into a whirlwind of of news contacts and NPR calling him and and people asking about it and what kind of came of it was a lot of interesting thought and introspection on ethical wildlife uh, photography. He's new to wildlife photography. So there's lots of things he had to learn by, you know, trial by fire. Uh, and I think it was just interesting to hear his honesty and sort of vulnerability in terms of like uh, essentially admitting that you know, he may have had some missteps, but he learned along the way mm -hmm. and wanted to share those messages. So I really like that part of the conversation. So definitely stay tuned towards the end. Uh, and don't skip ahead. Don't skip ahead to the end. Don't do that. But no, uh, but yeah, the, um, that conversation was fascinating to me. That was my favorite part. I would agree. So let's stop stalling. Let's give yeah, the people let's get the into episode. It. 
As two East Coasters, what's the best part about Maine? Oh, dude, don't Whoa. get me started. I just that's did. A great, that's a great <laughs> starter question. Right? I've never been. Yeah. I've never been to Maine. I've been to Mass, like Boston, Massachusetts. I've been to Connecticut, yeah. but I was always like playing sports. I never got to explore or see anything. Like I was in arenas playing hockey, but like I have no idea what's the draw to Maine. Like if I was, if you, if you were a tourism board, how would you convince me to come? For me, and and I know Aaron loves it here too. Um, I I grew up in Florida, so for me, it's the four seasons, like the true, real four seasons. Um, you have coastal mountains, which is unique to Maine, and uh, you know you still have mountains and you have so much recreational opportunities with each season. You just never get bored here. It's great. Um, I love it. Yeah, there is a diversity in the in the landscape for sure. The coastlines and just beautiful, all those towns and those harbor towns and old fishing towns, uh, just very unique in New Englandy. Uh, the rocky shores is pretty unique and I think New Englandy as well. Um, people say like, oh, that reminds me of the Pacific Northwest. It's like, no, that reminds us of Maine. This was, this was first. Maine was first. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just great. And, and the lobster rolls, lobster rolls. But when you shell out $30, it really makes it taste better. Exactly. This is like the, the biggest prank mm. on mankind ever. Do you know that lobsters were considered like a, a pauper's food? They littered the beaches. And that's what people that were starving would go and collect and whatnot. And it was too, like, that's gross for people that could afford real food. And now it's $30 a pound, $30 for a, a lobster roll. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. And you get this lobster roll and you're like, Oh, I thought it was going to be a hot one, but it's a cold one and it's $27 and I don't really want the cold kind and I want the hot kind, you know? So these sound like personal problems, which they are, but, uh, that's, that's end rant End rant on lobster mm. and rant and into some, some photographer mindset stuff. That's what people are here for. Aaron, <laughs> yeah. they're here for that and not to hear about lobster. No, people are driving and they're like, you know what? Lobster is not that good. I've been tricked. So they're going to agree and write in and be like, you know, you're right. Lobster's kind of stupid. John, welcome to the show. Congratulations on 10,000 followers. Numbers aren't everything, but on it Instagram, is after we just ripped Instagram, Aaron. I know. But actually, congratulations on 10K. Say it quietly. So that- Did you get the, uh, the swipe up feature? You know, <laughs> I can't figure it out. I, I can add a link now. I can't swipe up. Yeah. 10,000 doesn't mean what it used to anymore. No, but congrats. Uh, you've you've grown a lot. You started a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, uh, a little bit before that, but then I really didn't start posting um, uh, until about a year and a half ago. All right. Well, tell us your photography journey. Oh, wow. So let's let's go back to... 2015 ish. Uh, I'm just going to do this quick. So uh, I was working a, a corporate job nine to five, a um, few years out of college, went on a trip to Alaska, got home, quit my job, built my truck into a camper, started traveling the country, visited a whole bunch of national parks, and uh, realized I needed to share these places because I was by myself solo the whole time, picked up a camera. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got into it. 
Oh, that's amazing. Favorite national park? Top three. I absolutely hate when people ask this question. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the Tetons. Mm. Um, then I'm going to probably follow that with Death Valley. Not oh. always someone's top three, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I'll probably going to throw another curveball in here to Big Bend National Park down in Texas on the border oh. of Mexico. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. I hadn't some, even heard uh, of that. Yeah. Most haven't. Yeah, some different ones. Uh, Death Valley, since we're going there in a couple uh, months, weeks at this point, uh, what what about it do you love? Like, what, what, what do we need to know? Just the mind-blowing... Uh, terrains within the park like you don't have to go very far to just experience completely different geological features from giant sand dunes to jagged rocks to the flattest place in the world i think uh to snow on top of the mountains in the distance to temperature swings of like 40 degrees wow it's it's unbelievable yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It just seems like a different planet, you know? Uh, awesome. So what what's taking up your time these days? You know, every I was telling Seth, uh, he's like, you know, I don't know him as well as you do. Um, I'm like, yeah, I we've met for like 14 seconds one time. Um, <laughs> but we've chatted nicely over the last two years. And I, we kind of started around the same time. And um We've always been a support towards each other, and I've always been slightly uh, uh, jealous is the wrong word, but like intrigued is the right word. Intrigued by all these avenues of extremeness. When I think of you, I think extreme. I, w- I was joking with Seth, like you'd be like, "Hey, do you want to go surfing?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I can't wait to come." come by in like August and Maine, like let's set something up. And you're like, no, no, no. Uh, February is when we surf. Uh, January is when we surf. And you're getting in the ocean to go surfing now, which I, surprisingly, when you show those videos, there's other people doing it. It's not just you. Uh, last time I saw you in person, you're training for a marathon. I'm like, wow, a marathon. That's cool. And you're like, yeah, but I don't wear shoes. I was like, God, you like everything that you do is you're taking it one step further than I can even imagine. So where's where's that come from? Where what is that about you? And where are these what's it feeding you? What are the extremes doing for you? And and or is is it health benefits? Is it uh what just good for your mind? You know, I'll let you answer. I won't answer all the question with my question. But go ahead. I've never really thought of it as extremes. I uh, just, you know, the the whole barefoot thing. I just one time I was hiking out west. I believe I was in Bryce Canyon, and uh, I just decided to take my boots off. And ever since then, I've just been hiking barefoot. Slows you down, lets you connect with uh, Earth a little bit more. Uh, I know I sound like a hippie, but uh, it's really a, an incredible feeling. And so, you know. Uh, why not run a marathon barefoot if you can hike barefoot, right? And, you know, surfing in February in Maine, that's just, it's just part of it, you know? Um, I don't know. I So for me, my love for photography has kind of uh, been second to my love for being outdoors and, and um, experiencing, you know, 
nature in its rawest form. So like all these things I do just kind of put me out there. And I guess you could say extreme. Um, but for me, it just seems like how I'm supposed to do it. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Seth, go ahead. I mean, I guess my, my question is you're, you know, you're doing surfing and ice frigid temperatures off, you know, the coast of Maine, um, running barefoot, um, marathons. That's, that's, crazy at the, for lack of a better term, uh, or very unbelievable. Um, I guess, is there fun in the challenge or is like, is it, do you get joy out of battling through adversity? Would like, would you consider yourself that kind of person? Yeah. You know, if you, or is there any adversity, like, is it just easy for you? I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Because running you know, a marathon in sneakers is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. You know, if you put it that way, it actually kind of, I, I do probably 99% of my adventures traveling uh, extreme sports, as, as you'll say, um, by myself. So maybe it's just me challenging myself. Um, you know, that could be it. But, you know, it, it just, yeah, it doesn't seem like I'm battling advers- adversity or anything like that. I don't know. It just seems like what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I know that sounds so weird, but it just, I don't know. It's just kind of living life to the fullest type thing. Yeah. Is it, is it a, th- how I'm supposed to do, is it kind of bring you back to, I guess the connection in nature or maybe years gone past where you're like, you know, they didn't, they didn't have $200 shoes um, back in the day. And people were doing these things like, well, let's let's reconnect to that stuff. Kind of like, you know, I'm going to go listen to a vinyl. I want to listen to the analog. I want to like be where it was when it was recorded versus this immediate satisfaction or or the ease of an MP3. Like, I want to hike barefoot. I want to I want to surf and deal with the elements as how it how it's intended versus always cushioning and hiding from it. Is that potentially some? Of it. Definitely, definitely, definitely getting everything in its raw form. And, uh, and then when you say, you know, maybe there's even a side of just the minimalist of it, um, (laughs) it brings me back to that. And I'm going off topic here, but that time you and, uh, you went camping with, um, oh gosh, um, (laughs) with Brett. Yeah. With Brett. I know what you're doing. And you guys brought everything. (laughs) You literally brought an REI store on your back and, you know, I've spent so much uh, time outside camping and, and guiding. I was, I was a former national park guide too. And, you know, I think I just learned like less is more when you're outside, like less to worry about and just, um, you know, and maybe that's why I do this and it just comes naturally to me now. But, um, in the beginning I was just, uh, it was just like you guys, I bring everything with me when I would go out on these adventures and, I was just always so stressed carrying so much gear. And, you know, now even my camera equipment, I just bring two lenses with me and a small little bag and call it a day. And that's when I feel like I'm most creative and, and can like, you know, really be myself and connect with nature. Yeah. And, and that's that time, that time with Brett was a, uh, a valuable lesson. Um, all the stuff that we didn't even touch that we carried into that, that area and then had to carry out, whether it was food or my wildlife lens just in case but sometimes you have to 
be direct with your intentions and minimize around those intentions and not feel like I need everything at my fingertips in case everything happens. Because it may happen and it may just end up being a memory. But at the same time, you have to, I mean, like you said, in the beginning, I was very much like, oh, what's one more pound? Uh, you know, what's this two pound lens going to, I can carry that. I'm, I'm huge. Like, but it adds up and it makes a huge difference on every step that you take. Uh, that two pounds gets multiplied by thousands and thousands of steps. It, it starts to wear on you. So that minimalist sort of uh, attitude and approach, I think, can really make things easier and help you to connect to what you're doing for sure. I agree there. Yeah. That's why uh, we're going to have to go on a camping trip this summer, Aaron. Yeah. And, and yeah. Seth, Hey Seth, come on over. I'm not no, much I've, of a camper, eh? You're this not, is, this might shock some people. Like I've never been, I've been camping maybe once or twice <laughs> for someone that spends so much time outdoors and like immersed in, nature and oftentimes brutal conditions especially like canadian winters here like i haven't really camped well we're gonna we're gonna get you going the way yeah you have me fooled right now wow <laughs> first of all i just thought every i know this is bad but i just thought everyone from canada was like pretty much lived in a tent like half <laughs> half, half the time I don't know. I'm learning. Yeah, you're learning. No, uh, I have never really been camping. No. Well, if you're gonna go, you you go with John. Um, I've seen. Let's let's move into your truck, and uh, you've it's it's become an art form. It's become like a just such an efficient way that you have, and I see you always figuring out, like, oh that that draft is here. So I'm going to build this to cover that draft. Uh, I need a new heating system because that one's, uh, I'm getting a little exhaust. Uh, here's I'm cooking this five course meal tonight. Um, you know, like you have it down to seemingly an, an ever growing, ever living science. But if I were to go camping with anyone, it would, you'd be at the top of the list in terms of like, you know what, I'm going to survive and be pretty comfortable because he has the, he's, he's troubleshot all the potentials um, in every time he's gone out. And I'm curious about like that, that truck build and uh, where you've gone from, like, where did you start and where are you now? And what are your hopes for with that, with your truck and your camping and your, you know, your ability overall? Yeah, well, so, so first off, to tie it back into photography, I, I pretty much use my camper as a base camp for, you know, when I'm out there doing um, any sort of landscape photography, especially like last fall, I, I did I lived in my truck for a week and I just literally shot fall colors and I was able to, you know, be on the go and go wherever it was peaking. And that was just incredible. But it's been dialed in over the years. Uh, I started out with just a normal truck with a little cap on the back. And I, I built a little sleeping platform back there. And I lived in that for six months when I traveled the country. Um, I couldn't even sit up in it. I just had to lay flat like a coffin. So I've come a long way for those of you that have seen my camper now. 
Um, but I also, when I was guiding, I was a national park guide for a while. I lived in a van and I pretty much slept, uh, on campground picnic tables for a summer and slept in the back row of a van. So I've kind of seen it all, which has kind of allowed me to really dial in what I need now, um, for myself. Yeah. And to, to describe it and, you know, add in parts if I'm missing, uh, but, the back of his truck has has levels. Like he has a workspace, uh, sort of the bed of the truck and storage. He climbs up into a, a platform. That's where the bed is. He can move these uh, these pieces, these these floorboards, if you will, across. And it's like a Tetris maze. It is it, to set up like different designs depending on what he needs for the moment. Whether he needs like a you know full size bed up there or just a single bed so he can get down to let the heat in, to let the heat out, whatever it is. He's got it all figured out. It's really impressive. And it it always makes me go like, if I camp, if I camp, I'd want to, I would do it like this. I would, it would be very comfortable. It seems. Um, Yeah. So it's really a cool thing. Uh, Is that what your YouTube is mainly about? Yeah. And so to add on that too, for the people that are trying to visualize it, so it, it, it's a pop-up and it, it pops up like a wedge and it's basically like a rooftop tent combined with like a truck cap. But yeah, so that's what I've been documenting on my YouTube channel. And uh, like the first video I posted ever, it has like 10,000 views right now. I'm like, whoa, this YouTube thing. Uh, that's so, amazing. I'm going to keep doing that. It's been challenging in the winter because batteries die so fast. Like I thought camera batteries were bad, but my GoPro batteries, they last like five minutes. So it's been a, that's yeah, it's been a big challenge to put out any sort of content with that. But, um, but yeah, man, you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. And, and, you know, as a photographer for me, it's, I can't just go and drop, you know, 200 bucks on a hotel every night when I'm going to these places. So it's really allowed me to stay super mobile, but also have like a base camp. Um, and I just love it. It's, it's great. I, I, there's actually a lot of photographers, landscape photographers like myself that are actually buying these go fast campers for this reason. And maybe down the road, you can find this guy, but there's a wildlife photographer that lives in Yellowstone and he lives in a go fast camper, which is the camper I have. And in the winter. Wow. Full time, full time. So he's he's heating it and managing, and that's what he's. Doing. I don't even I don't even think he uses heat, man. I'm a little bit Ooh. more bougie. I think he just <laughs> just yeah, sub zero sub zero uh, thermals and and uh, sleeping bag. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, frosty. That is frosty. Uh, so so with that, you know, I guess my my next train of thought goes to this whole network of places where you can camp. You know, I'm, I'm in Connecticut where it's very, it's very dense with towns and parks and this and that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could sneak off into the woods and camp and, and be fine, but what is, what are the rules and the legalities of you sleeping, you know, on the side of a ski mountain or, or whatever it is like, you know, how do you figure out where is safe, where's not safe? Um, you know, go through the protections part of it. Like what, what are you, what are you worried about, concerned about? How do you find this stuff out? Definitely. And I'll start with the fact you just said camping on the side of a ski mountain. So he's referencing one of my YouTube videos, Aaron. 
that I, I camp in the resort parking lots when I go snowboarding. But, you know, that's um, to find these places. I, I use all sorts of different tools. I mean, anything from Google Earth, uh, where I can just look online and, and maybe find a secluded spot that I know is on public land um, to really like digging down and finding these like Facebook groups for, you know, maybe there's a Connecticut Facebook camping group where you can go in and just, you know, either search through it and find some information or ask a question. Um, social media, you know, it has, as you guys know, cause you talk about it all the time, it, it can be really great. It can also be terrible, but in these situations where you can connect with people that are locals and really learn, um, you know, cause with camping, it's tricky cause you're showing up to a new place for the first time, especially if you're doing the type of camping I do more primitive and, um, and you have no clue what to expect, which can be pretty terrifying, uh, one, or it can get you in trouble. So, you know, I do stuff like that. There's these apps, there's where you can look up public land, um, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can figure this stuff out, but probably the best one is just, it, I've, you know, I've five years of experience of kind of being a, uh, I'm going to put it this way, a dirt bag. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've really kind of figured out the tricks just in my head. I'm like, Oh, that looks like a good spot. I won't get bothered there. And typically mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So just kind of experience and Am I right next to a road? Am I a little bit secluded? Uh, those kinds of things. You, you mentioned fear, terrifying. Uh, when you're out there, you, you hunker in, it's night, you're kind of out there on your own in the woods. Uh, do you have a, a reoccurring sort of like panicky or, or thought or fear? Or is it just a second home for you at this point? Is it pretty comfortable? You've, you've done it so much that it's, it's just normal. Uh, no, I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I could probably go on here and fake it and say, oh, it's, you know, into the mountains. Like I feel the best. I feel recharged when I come out, but no, there's definitely those times. I mean, I've had things happen. I don't know if you remember this, Aaron and Seth, I, I don't know if, if you do either, but I was camping out in the, the North woods of Maine out in the middle of nowhere last spring. And, uh, I was about an hour outside of cell service and outside of, you know, the closest town I was actually out, uh, trying to photograph moose and I was camping in this remote spot in the middle of the night, someone, uh, came flying around the corner, shouldn't have been out there, was doing things he shouldn't have done, uh, been doing. And he flipped his truck and guess who had to deal with it? Uh, me. So I want to go, hear, yeah, I go hear ahead, something. We have, I mean, people who know John who will be listening to this want to hear him talk. Why haven't you talked about the stellar Eagle yet, John? He's sitting there thinking, because these hosts haven't asked me about it. <laughs> We're saving it. Well, here I, I'm, here I am asking about it because you've recently, uh, you spent a lot of your time shooting this super rare bird. Uh, I want you to kind of tell listeners about that whole experience and how it went from sighting to a full local frenzy, pretty much, uh, with news coverage and, and just sort of what that whole experience was like, both the pros and cons um, surrounding tourism and photography around a rare bird. I'm sure you saw good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. So that's, that's maybe why I haven't brought it up because I kind of felt like I was maybe, well, you know what, let's, let's get started with, with the story. So, sure. um, so yeah, so about a month ago now, um, there is a report that there is a stellar sea eagle in Maine, 
which uh, for the viewers that don't know, Stellar Sea Eagle is native to Eastern Asia. Um, and this Stellar Sea Eagle uh, made it, I believe it's 6,000 miles. I don't know if we're able to look that mm-hmm. up. Is this like is this like regular podcast where like we have someone? Is there a third, fourth computer. person in here? Yeah. Where oh, they, yeah. but there's... Hey, Bill, okay. throw that up on the screen. Throw that yeah, up on Bill. the screen. Yeah, Bill, thanks. We, all right, thanks. <laughs> Since we don't okay, have so, a Bill, I'll do it. What are we looking? All right, so let's look Maine to, I don't know, east, Eastern Russia to Maine, how many miles that Maine is. Maine to Siberia distance. I know my geography, folks. Um, 5,000 miles. Okay, there we go. So 5,000 miles. So this eagle, uh, most likely they say, came across through Alaska, probably the Aleutian Islands, that area. And then there was reports that it was uh, spotted in Texas during the same time that freeze happened in Texas, which would make sense because these eagles are used to um, cold climates, right? And then it was reported in Massachusetts um, for, I want to say it was there for about a week or week and a half. And then it popped up in Georgetown, Maine, which is about five miles from me. Um, takes about an hour to get there if you know the main coast. Um, so while it was there, I was like, oh, this is really cool. This eagle's, you know, this is an hour from me or five miles from me, actually. But I just, I saw all these photos, just thousands of, not thousands, but hundreds of photographers lined up to, to you know, get the shot of the eagle. And I was like, ah, that's just not my style. I've never been one to just follow the masses. So I, you know, I was like, maybe this, maybe this, uh, rapture will show up in Booth Bay. So time went on and it was there for about a week. And, um, and then it just suddenly was gone. No one knew where it was. Um, and in one of my local Facebook groups, someone posted a photo of what they thought was an Eagle or they didn't know. That's why they posted it. And it was the stellar sea Eagle. And it was, in the Booth Bay area, but no one knew where, right? So I was like, okay, now, now I'm excited. You know, now there's a chance I could find this Eagle. Um, so a snowstorm the next day, there was a snowstorm hitting. Of course, it was like the first big storm of the season, uh, almost like blizzard like conditions. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go look for it. And since it was a blizzard, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go live on Instagram, which is something I do every once in a while. Not, not that often, And so I went live on Instagram and I'm driving around my town and I'm visiting all these different nature preserves or all these places where maybe, um, you know, where I've seen lots of bald eagles in the past. And, um, you know, I visit one location early on and it's this little tiny preserve and I'm walking through and I see a bald eagle and it takes flight and my camera settings aren't set because I'm the worst wildlife photographer ever. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I know. Is it... (laughs) Aaron, are you the one that that has told everyone that they should yes. always have their yeah yes. okay yeah you didn't you didn't understand the assignment, John? <laughs> no, I didn't. Like I, you should. You know what? Yeah, the I'm, I should probably just post that blurry photo just to be funny. But um, so so you know, I left. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. It would have been really cool to photograph a bald eagle in the snow. Like that's a once in a lifetime shot. You know, sometimes uh, during like blizzard like conditions. And so I kept, I got back in the car and I visited a few more locations and about an hour had passed and I had a, a quite a few people in my life and, you know, I was asking them, where do I go next? Where do I go next? And they were like, go back to that first place. I think it was like my mom and like, 
you know, Colin, who was on the podcast and a few mm-hmm. other people that are in the community. And so, uh, like Erica. And so I went back and, and I, <laughs> I went to this preserve and literally same thing. I, I spooked this bald eagle on the same exact spot the first time and my camera wasn't ready. <laughs> Blessing in disguise, right? I, I get my settings and I'm, I'm all good. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay in this area. This is good. And I walk about 15 more feet and in the distance in the trees, I see something hopping like branch to branch. And it was a large, whatever it was. I didn't know at the time. And, um, and when I say hopping, it was like literally picture like a, like a bear cub, right? Like a small bear cub. I'm sure, you know, most people listening to this know what that looks like, but then hopping from a branch. Right. So I had to process it for a second. And again, it's freezing cold. And I'm, I have like ski goggles on because the conditions are so bad. And when it, when I realized what it was, I actually was live on Instagram still. I just go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, that's the stellar sea eagle. And there it was about 30 yards away from me, perched up in a tree. Well, not perched now because I was so close because I didn't, you know, I'm walking through a small preserve. Um, and at this point I was like, wow, I got to get the shot because obviously, you know, I've, I've, they say if, uh, if an Eagle changes its behavior, you're already too close to it. So unfortunately I was already too close to it, but you know, nothing I could have done. I didn't know it was going to be there. And so, um, I set down the phone and I pull out my camera and I get this incredible shot of the stellar seagull in Booth Bay Harbor, less than five minutes from my house with snow on its beak. Um, and it was just incredible. And so I am like so nervous. I'm shaking. I'm freaking out. Um, I slip and fall down a bank about five feet onto my back. <laughs> I stand up. And as soon as I stand up, it takes flight and it comes kind of right at me and it It goes around this cove and it just goes off through the snow. And it was one of the most incredible experiences as a photographer, especially as a wildlife photographer. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a wildlife photographer, but I do shoot um, wildlife occasionally. And I'll never forget it. And that moment really kind of launched my, I guess, I I don't know how to put this, but launched my photography career. And uh, I got a ton of people calling me. I had, you know, NBC Boston. I had all these news channels. Then I had NPR and, um, and I kept going live throughout the week. And at some point I would have like, you know, live videos. It's hard to get a lot of people. I would have over like hundred people in there and I had all this engagement and it was just so cool to connect with the community. So that's the first part of that question, right? Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to get into maybe the the bad? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we talk about wildlife ethics a lot on this show. Okay. And sort of and sort of how to be a voice for animals when things maybe get a little too hot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when uh so I continued to track this bird for the next week, two weeks. And I actually kept finding it, but it was different. It it kept it would be reported by someone on a uh, an app. I'm sure most of you are familiar with WhatsApp. 
uh, actually it wasn't WhatsApp. It was GroupMe, which is similar to a WhatsApp, but it's basically a public messaging service that anyone can join. And so now you have thousands of people from all around the country, actually all around the world. I met someone from, uh, from England that was there searching for this bird. And they're all on this WhatsApp, just waiting for someone to report it. So then everyone can get in their car and drive there and see it. That's crazy. And I would, you have no idea. It was so crazy. My town is a sleepy, sleepy town in the winter. And there were cars. It, it, I've just, I, I can't explain it. It was busier than summer. And I live in a summer town. And, um, it, you know, it, it was fun. You know, I was still doing these lives. I was finding it. Everyone was having a good time. But then I just started to feel like, wait, this doesn't feel right. Like, what am I doing? Um, because so many people are coming to my Instagram account to see where this bird is. And, you know, and, and now I'm causing, you know, all these masses to show up to different places while I'm on live. So what all these people don't know that we're tuning into my live is that like, I was like, kind of in my head, like, am I doing the right thing? And so I just stopped doing it. Mm. Uh, and maybe I should have, and I did, I was, I was talking about the ethics. I was promoting the ethics, but, um, you know, and I, I actually learned a lot myself. Um, but yeah, I just got to the point where it was like overwhelming for me. And then like, if it's overwhelming for me, what about the actual stellar sea eagle, you know, that is anywhere it's perched where it's, close enough where people can, you know, see it, uh, there's just hundreds of people showing up immediately. And it, the bird was being flushed. It was being flushed. I mean, you know, there's people that are going to say it wasn't being flushed, but I was there multiple times where, you know, people just kept getting closer and closer. I even think once I was even part of that. And so, you know, I just, I felt like this is, this bird changed my life. This photo changed my life. And, and now I'm, you know, causing these issues. I, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? What, what, what you, like you said, you guys talk about this more. So. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I give you a lot of credit for telling that story very honestly and being vulnerable and saying, you know, like, Ooh, I, I might've made some missteps here and it felt bad and it felt wrong. And then I, then I reassessed and, and, you know, took a different look at it. Um, I can relate with the beginning of wildlife photography. You know, you started shooting seriously uh, less than two years ago. I'm in that same sort of time frame. There's a lot I learned, you know, through mistakes, through hearing things where you're like, oh, okay. Like, whoa, like, oh, baiting animals is like really frowned upon. Okay. Now I know like, uh, not that I did it or whatnot, but like nothing I really thought about. In fact, you, you might think the other way, like, oh, like I'm helping them out. I'm giving them a, a meal. Like you might not think about it the way that everyone else is thinking about it or that perspective that gives you the, the quote unquote right way or ethical way to think about it. So I give you a lot of credit for sitting on here and telling the story in actuality the way it happened and not sugarcoating it and not making it all just seem amazing like there was some there was some tough times there i think with it my you know my personal opinion was like i i i saw the first one i saw the first snowstorm where you're finding it and how excited you were and that's amazing like that was amazing to see the the true excitement of you alone finding 
this amazing once in a lifetime experience on live. It was so cool. Uh, and I could tell after the weeks and the months, there was a different tone. Like you were, you were, so you're so excited. You love, you're loving it. And then you can kind of see both emotions at the same time. Like you're, you're still sharing, but you're like, Hey, we need to talk about ethics and what's appropriate and whatnot. So at that point it like keyed in and then that overtook, I think. And you were like, no, this isn't worth it. Like I'm feeling uncomfortable or it's too much. If it's too much for me, it's too much for the bird. Uh, something bad's going to happen and I don't want to be a part of it. Um, so you saw that transition and it was a, you know, I think if it wasn't for you, wasn't you, it'd be someone else with that bird in that situation. I, I'm not sure that you brought all the attention to this bird. Birders are, birders are intense. Birders <laughs> so, are piranhas. <laughs> I think. Birder, if, yeah. No, birders. I, I, wow. That's it. Wow. It's Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen literal fights between photographers and birders. Like I drove three hours to go to uh, Long Island, uh, Long Island Beach for snowy owls, and they had just reopened the beach because a fa- a fight broke out between birders and wildlife photographers. Uh, and that's the nerdiest it, thing I have ever uh, ever. The fight was like, yeah, yeah, you can't, you're too close. Yeah, it was like a lot of slap, like. <laughs> no, uh, no, I kid everyone. I kid. I kids don't write us. Don't write us nasty emails. Like, don't. <laughs> I kid. Uh, no, but like, there, it's an intense. It's an intense group at times. Um, and yeah, so I, I feel you. I, I mean, there's, there's. You've learned. It sounds like you've learned, and. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things you want. It's such a marvelous thing. You want to share it. Like you want to share it with people, but then you're like, oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have shared it that much. And maybe next time I would take a more secretive approach and enjoy this moment on my own, which seems selfish. And it, there's a lot of conflicting feelings I can imagine with that whole thing, because you know, you're, I'm helping people out. I'm sharing, like I'm, I'm sharing this. I don't want to have this all to myself. That seems greedy and like selfish, but then you got to think about the, the animal and the bird. And, um, you know, it's, it's very far from home and probably stressed. Who knows? What ended up happening? Do we know? Well, it's back. It, 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 yeah, it wasn't back in Russia or back in Maine. Back as in, like five minutes from my house again. Damn. Um, All right, yeah. guys, I gotta go. Uh, what's your address? Again? <laughs> your address? Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> let me let me rewind. You know, we were kind of giving birders a hard time. Birders are also incredible people. Like awesome. You, oh, it's oh my gosh, us. man. It's yeah, yeah. Fun. Like man, I, I have right now. I'm looking at this thing. Someone someone uh, made me a cellar seagull. Uh, hand sewing. It's got a heart and it's got my name and it's just like the coolest thing. I'll send you guys a picture after this, but you know, the community was really, really cool to, to get to know, but like everything, there's a few bad actors and that's what, yeah, that's what I saw. And you know, what made me upset was the fact that 
when everyone, everyone was trying to see it for the first time, right? Like say, Aaron, you did get in the car and all you want to do, you drove all the way from Connecticut and now you just want to see this bird and you're going to do whatever it takes to see Mm -hmm. it. And then after you see it, then you're going to start to care. And then you're going to tell people not to do things. That's what I was starting to see. You know, I'd see these people on the, yeah, I'd see these people on the app and they'd be like, where is it? Where is it? And then once they saw it, then, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. That's exactly what I said I did. But once they saw it, then everything changed. Then it was like, okay, maybe we shouldn't report where it's roosting at night and and this and that. But before a lot of these people, these same people were saying like, oh, where did it fly off at, you know, right before dusk? Like, where is it roosting? Where can I start in the morning? So that was interesting. But I would say as the community as a whole did a really good job. Um, but just with this much excitement, even if everyone's doing a really good job, is it really good enough? I don't know. Yeah. Let me ask both of you a question. Do you think, let's go 20 years ago, 15 years ago, pre, pre-Instagram, pre pre-dopamine heroin hit of likes and attention and comments and uh, all the stuff that we talk about at times, 15 years ago, Stellar Sea Eagles uh, in the daily newspaper of Maine, do we have these same flocking um, humans, humans, going after this bird to see it, let alone take a picture with some film, uh, share it with their family. You get what I'm saying here. Um, is, is this something that comes from this opportunity to like, kind of like fall in new England. We all kind of know with fall in new England, you blast some fall foliage from new England. You're going to get a ton of likes, a ton of looks. I lived in fall all my life. And now I'm driving four hours to get up to New Hampshire and Maine to get, you know, a a road fall shot or or some mountains in the background. Um, Yeah, you guys are crazy in New England. I'm going to say it. It's like, (laughs) it's leaf season is nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. But I guess, back to my question, does this thing happen 15 years ago? This sort of rush? Not like that. I feel like you have a fraction of the people. Yeah, I wonder what fraction. The people who are in it because they just love birds or they they love nature and they love photography. I mean, yeah, that's such a long question. I know we're running deep into the episode, but I mean, if you walk backwards, you you have half the half the photographers that exist on Instagram. I personally believe would not be photographers without social media. Yep. Yeah. I At least not think to that's the, true. Not to the um not to the extent. Dude, I, I ever tell you like I'll share like when I was last in Jasper, I was on um we're going to Spirit Island. Some people will know where that is. If you don't know where that is, look up Spirit Island, beautiful place in the Rocky Mountains, um, on the line or Maline Lake in uh, Jasper National Park in Alberta. And I remember being on this boat because you have to take a like a it's not a ferry in the sense that it goes slow, but it's it's just like a, a, a boat shuttle. It's about a half hour ride. And the entire time was just people seeing the mountains through their phones. And yeah. I was kind of just sitting there stunned. Like absolutely stunned. Even getting to Spirit Island, people lived the experience through their phone which was crazy to me. Like I would say more than half the time spent 
was looking at the mountains and Spirit Island through a screen for the majority of people on that vessel. Yeah. Now, how many people go there without a smartphone? You tell me. Yeah. Definitely not zero, but I mean, definitely, you tell me. This is the culture we're in, right? This is the day and age we're in. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of active listening. This this episode, I've taken a more passive role, but I sometimes like doing that. And John, to me, you seem like someone who really gives it their all when no one's looking. I like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're totally cool with just giving it 110% by yourself when no one's watching. And there's something to be said for that. I think that's... What's the saying? You know, how do you work when no one's looking? Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. I think that if that's if if the person you are when no one's watching is a, a great person, like that's integrity, that's character, in my opinion. I mean, I'll add on that, Seth, though, and I appreciate that. That's super kind, and you got a smile sure, on sure. my face, man. Sure, Adam, um, I know it's hard to take compliments sometimes, but that's just sort of what. Yeah, I'm that's like we've never really like fully transparent, John. You and I have never really talked a lot. Um, no, other than what I've I, seen on your your social media pages, but that's sort of what I'm. I pride myself humbly in being able to pick up on good first impressions and getting a good read on people, and that's sort of what I'm picking up. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I I know your work. I look at it; it's it's incredible and makes me want to get up that way. But but um, yeah, man, you know. But that's not to say yes. I I like to go to where everyone else isn't. That's just always been me but right. i still have my camera out the first time i'm walking down a trail and oh, I, I got dude. the i got the wide angle on the iphone like i still do that everyone does i do that yeah. too aaron mm-hmm. you do that i don't do that everyone has their <laughs> phone out at some point on an incredible experience yes. i guess like just to before you keep going i was i'm talking about people who are living through the experience like the entire experience is through the 16 by 9 aspect ratio definitely you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm John. You are too. Seth, you are too. We're, um, we're all three of us are very passionate about music. It, that is a pet peeve of mine. When you're at the concert, and oh, you're, recording, yeah. you're recording the whole thing, but staring at what your are phone you going like, to do with that footage? What are you going what to are do you, that with the honestly, footage? If I, if like, if there was one question <sighs> I could ask the force of the universe, you know, not not what the meaning of life is. Not, you know, what happens when you die. It would be, what do people do with 30 minutes of unedited concert footage? That would be my question to the divine being. That's the like creator. Shaking. And it's like, that. this doesn't sound like it did. This sounds blown out and awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not this good. This will sound good on my story. Half people oh, are pooping and it's on mute. Just you know what though? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to Colin and I can't say his last name. Someone help yeah, me. Um he he was just at this band that I, I put him on and he's obsessed and I guarantee he had his phone out for every song. Oh, I just know he did. Him. <laughs> yeah, I'm blasting yeah. him. Yeah. I'm blasting him right now. But if it was Kanye, his like favorite artist of yeah. all time, I guarantee his phone would probably be in his pocket the whole time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what's that say? You know what I mean? That like the things that are really important are best seen through our own eyes, I guess. Not to be too corny, but like, yeah, take the mm. phone out on a cool trail. Take, you know, take the 
story of Spirit Owl, and I'm all for that. I just like I think it can get out yeah. of hand. Definitely. You know? Yeah. You I'm Spirit also Spirit Owl. Huh? Did you just say Spirit Owl? Spirit Island. Spirit oh. Island. Do I need to do be more enunciative? No, I was like, you just said you're an active listener. We're talking about a stellar eagle, and now you're calling it a spirit owl. What are you so, talking about? No. Aaron's on I, drugs, everyone. Don't say that. I'm a school counselor. <laughs> <laughs> can you, hey, can you erase that? Can you erase that? Can you erase that, please? You can go back and erase that, right? And that part we said that. Um, all right. Uh, well, no. Anyways, uh, no. It, listen, I'm not for the record. And I misheard you. And then it was a funny joke, but now you ruined it. Uh, I wanted to say though, uh, I'm really impressed. Yeah. You're a go do, do go, you go do things. Great, John, you run barefoot. That's wonderful. Uh, but you came on the show and there was a tough topic and you just handled it with grace in terms of like, Hey, this is where I screwed up because yeah. How many people do that? Not many. I uh, think, not many. A lot. A lot would sugarcoat it or protect themselves or protect. You know, be a little defensive. Not even get into it. Um, there are a few instances where I noticed my ears perked up because it's very rare and it's a great quality that you have as well of being able to say, "Hey, uh, I'm new at this. I learned something. These were my emotions. This was very human of me. I screwed up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do better next time. Whatever that may be. Uh, whether it was in this case or." surfing or camping and switching up your truck like that that is to be human we're not perfect we yeah. do make mistakes but to be able to say hey i made a mistake and i'm going to learn from it and teach with my errors and move on uh is applaudable for sure and and to add on that and i dude i appreciate that that's yeah, and, I, and like I, I'm the kind of person. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Like, if I make a mistake, even just on grammar on a story, I just leave it up because I don't care. Like, that's who I am. But for everyone listening, I would just say, like, you know, if there's one thing I learned from this, is to just stay true to who you are. Like, for me, it's I. I think I touched on this earlier. Now it's kind of all coming for full circle, which is cool because I don't know if your podcast ends in four more minutes, but. Um, it's, you know, for me, it's don't follow the crowds. Like that's what got me in trouble. You know, just, I'm going to just keep on, you know, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but for me, it's just like, I, I never liked being where everyone else it like would mm-hmm. gather. Right. And, and everything, mm-hmm. even landscape photography, if there's a hundred photographers there, I'm going 10 miles away somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what I learned from this experience is just, um, I can still see the Stellar's Eagle, but I don't need a I don't need to follow the crowds, right? Yeah. Right. Well, John, thank yeah. you for coming on and, and sharing your your story. I guess it's there's a long way to go still. Um but we appreciate you coming on and touching on so many different topics. Marathon running and barefoot and stellar eagles and your truck and you have a lot of irons and a lot of different fires. Um so there's something to be said for that as well. You're a lot more than just a photographer, which is which is fun to have those kinds of guests on the show. So thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me on. And, and I hope you guys all stay tuned for uh, the YouTube video where I take Aaron and Seth camping. So oh, I'm liking this. Do some Adirondacks. That's probably close to Seth. I bet. I bet he could get there in four. Sure, I'm there. I mean, I don't know how much help I'll be, but... 
be you comedic relief. Yeah, you don't you don't have to uh, you don't have to help too much. John will do it all. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. it'll be glamping for me. Yeah, we'll bring our uh, roadcaster with some batteries <laughs> and record an episode. Sounds good. Yeah, or should we just unplug? Maybe yeah. unplug. Yeah, unplug. Well, but film it and then post and film it to my story, <laughs> and I can camp. I can camp through my phone right on. Aaron, any yes. closing remarks? No, uh, John. Again, you know we've met for four minutes uh, in person, and we've talked way longer than that. I think it's time we we set something up and get it on the calendar um, for this upcoming season for sure, and and do some do some living right. Do some living, man. I'd love to have you up here. I'll come to you, whatever you want. Yeah, let's let's set something up and let's stop talking about it and do it. I like that. That's aimed at me, not you. You're a 